Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on Sports Center at 6, the 76ers and Celtics squared off in a special overseas matinee. Live player reaction from London in this hour. Ahead of a big Eastern Conference matchup tonight between the Cavs and Raptors, LeBron James is talking about retirement, but there's one specific reason he's not ready to hang them up quite yet. Plus, Le'Veon Bell throws down a gauntlet on his future in Pittsburgh. What kind of impact will it have on the Steelers heading into the playoffs this weekend? We have a job to do, and we know what our job is. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. And if you hear any noise, it ain't the boys. It's Ladies Night. Immediately following us at 7 on ESPN is second-ranked 15-1 Notre Dame against third-ranked 18-0 Louisville in our Women's Thursday Night Showcase. But in the meantime, coming up, we're showcasing a few more fierce females who have a scoop from Foxborough to Minneapolis to Hollywood. But we begin in London. Sixers and Celtics facing off and eventually squaring off in London at the NBA Global Games. Everybody was all smiles and real cheery early on. It got chippy later. Let's pick it up late in the first with the Celtics down four. Kyrie Irving made the trip across the flat earth, across the pond. That was not his world on that play with MB with the rejection. J.J. Reddick in transition for three of his 18 first half points. Ben Simmons with a tough fadeaway jumper, putting the Sixers up 22, which means that Boston had Philly right where they wanted them. Kyrie knocking down the three. Bring the Celtics within 14. And then later, tough fall away. That kid was born to put the ball in the basket. Celtics cut it down to nine after trailing by as many as 22 in the first half. That was a huge stretch at the end of the first half. Picking up in the third quarter here. Kyrie from across the pond damn near with the three-pointer there. And then Marcus Smart finds Al Horford. First game back from the knee injury. He goes for 13, eight rebounds and seven assists in 35 minutes. Now, things... uh about to get interesting here after Marcus Morris nails that three to put the Celtics up 14. That's right, from down by as many as 22 to up by as many as 19. Marcus Morris getting knocked down by Ben Simmons. None too happy about it. They had to be separated. Take another look. So Simmons might have, you know, leaned his shoulder just a tad into Marcus Morris, which upset him. Doesn't take much to set a Morris, a Morris went off, am I right? Yeah. You knew he was going to be involved. Celtics going to win 114 to 103. Now won seven straight after that five and six stretch. They're eight and five in games when trailing by 13 or more this season. Amazing. Some 76ers highlights got in and they weren't winning. Wow, what a shock. You hear how was about it? <laughs> I did. Uh, Celtics comeback took place over the final 30 minutes and 30 seconds of the game where they outscored the 76ers by 33 points. Happened to that process. Uh, Boston was also able to hold Philly to shoot. We ain't talking about them. (laughs) They also able to hold Philly to shooting just 35% from the field, including a 23% mark for beyond the arc. All right. You think Le'Veon Bell will be all business and focus on unfinished business, as in the last time we saw him in the postseason, he was leaving last year's AFC title game with injury after six carries and 22 yards, and 20 yards, excuse me. And yet, Juice has the fourth most rushing yards to three career postseason games in NFL history. But in a sense, Bell is in fact all business as he enters what could be his last game as a Steeler. Man's about his paper. He knows his worth. And just know, man, I feel you first team all pro player that you are. He says he considers sitting out a season or even prepared to ponder retirement. 
if he's franchise tagged again. Says the man who averages 129 scrimmage yards per game for his career, quote, just get the numbers straight exactly where we want them. I'm not going to settle for anything. I know what I want, what I do, and what I bring to the table. I'm not going to go out here getting the ball 400 times if I'm not getting what I feel I'm valued at. Now, he told those things to our Jeremy Fowler. Uh, Jeremy Le'Veon Bell rushed for 1,291 yards and, of course, caught 85 passes with 11 total touchdowns this year. Uh, he's here to provide us more perspective uh, what are, what's the locker room, what's the organization saying uh, about these comments from Le'Veon Bell made exclusively to you? Well, I haven't heard anything from the organization yet, Mike, because I actually just spoke with Bell today at his locker before practice, and it happened pretty quickly and organically. I was just really trying to find out what's 2018 going to be like for you. So it wasn't like Bell stood up and made some sort of declarative statement, this is what I want for the future to try to be a playoff distraction. It was really just him being honest, and he's always been honest uh, with me in the past, so I, I did appreciate him just really saying, look, this is where my life's at right now. I'm good with my money. I have money stashed away. I'm good with my family. And really, I love football, but I don't need it. So if I'm forced to walk away, it's going to be all about value. And he told me this is significant. It's all about precedent more so than just getting a few extra dollars next year because he's thinking about Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, guys coming up. He's saying if I took a bum deal that other running backs have taken in the past because of the diminishing of that position in particular, then I'm doing a disservice to those guys. So I asked him several times, are you sure about this? He said, yeah, I'm willing to sit out. And if I sit out 2018, it might be a retirement altogether. I might just not come back. Yeah, that's real benevolent of him, but I don't think they're going to take up a collection plate for him if he was to forego $14 million. But the other interesting quote I, I thought came from your piece, he, he talked about leaving a legacy that people will always remember what you did. You pointed out Barry Sanders playing uh, yeah. 10 years versus his five years so far. He says, he says I, I run the way I run for that reason. I feel like I want to run differently than everybody else did. I want to do things that everybody else yeah. hasn't done. Certainly one of the best two-way running backs we've seen right. in recent memory. So does that lead you to believe that he might be serious, that it's more about how he played it and how people appreciated yep. it and ultimately emulated him than it is about compiling stats and, and obviously money? Yeah, Michael, that's a great question because he really is a guy with grandiose plans, grandiose ideas, and he plans to follow through with them. He's told me in the past he's going for 3,000 yards a year, even 4,000, and he's actually not kidding about that. And so even during the negotiations last summer – it was rumored that he turned down a very big contract, but he just didn't think it was big enough, and he stuck to his guns. And I asked him about that. He said, people thought I was crazy when I did that. Even some teammates thought I was crazy. But my plan and my uh, vision is working out right now. He came back, and he touched the ball more than 400 times, put up huge numbers yet again. And so he feels he's right where he wants his career to be. He just needs the Steelers to meet him on the same page. And I say this in all sincerity for a, a running back, for a rapper, he's a pretty good running back. He could always drop an album if he decides to stop, you know, dropping his shoulder on tacklers. Way to drop knowledge, Jeremy Fowler. Nice work out of you. Thank you. Uh, Darren, his reaction. I know. I saw, whole, I saw it on the side of my. Just hit him with a, I tried to focus. Really? Yeah. Really? Right now? Right now? Right now? So you clearly I, have a problem. You have a problem with the timing of him saying this, even though, as Jeremy said, this was organic. Yeah. He didn't. It was you organic. Know, he, he wasn't yeah. trying to make a statement. Hey, listen, he wasn't trying to make a statement. Again, this is my favorite player. Like, all the way across the board mm -hmm. in the NFL. This is, this is my guy. Yeah. So, and of course, I want him to get paid. And he has grandiose ideas, like, like Jeremy said, and he wants to set precedents. I get all that. 
But right now, the conversation needs to be about this week's game against the Jags team, who just went up there early in the season and hung 30-some on them, and Ben had a terrible game. The, the focus needs to be on this week's well, game. Tell Mike, Mike Mitchell that, too. He's talking exactly, about the Patriots. Mike, exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, the, that entire locker room, just make sure you take care of your business that's right in front of you. I, the contract situation will take care of itself. He will be the highest paid running back in the league. One way or the other. Yeah, so whether it's here in Pittsburgh or if it's somewhere else, the contract was was going to be there. Deflect all that information to your agent. Right now, he needs to be concerned about the 52 other guys in that locker room. Can he be concerned about two things at the same time? Well, you can. I mean, certain guys can. And and a locker room... They know how to deal with people. But serving. certain guys have a driving factor. Yeah. Something drives them on a day-to-day basis. And this may be it. Mm-hmm. The contract situation may be driving him to go out and practice, practice hard, play the game a certain way. But it's just weird to hear this right now when you are maybe not the favorites in the AFC, but you're a team that's that close yeah. to upsetting, to winning this game and then moving on and going to Foxborough and winning that football game and then going to the Super Bowl. Can you imagine winning these two games, going to the Super Bowl, being a Super Bowl champ, maybe being the MVP, what is your contract going to look yeah. like then? Yep. Just take care of your business. Definitely a special player. And yeah. as, as far-fetched as it would be for him to yeah. sit out a year and retire at such a young age, we've seen people retire earlier before, and you cannot say that he has not left his mark with the way people are copying his hesitation running style in a lot of ways. Retiring. I, 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 I don't not, no, I, I'm I don't just appreciating that. his style. Right. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I appreciate your style. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think he'll retire. That's all I'm doing. All right, uh, new into Sports Center. Miami Heat guard Deion Waiters will undergo season ending surgery on his troublesome left ankle. League sources tell ESPN Waiters has missed the last eight games with the left ankle injury as he's consulted with specialists weighing the possibility of season ending surgery against a procedure that could have allowed him to return before the playoffs. Now, the Heat have won six straight games and moved into fourth place in the Eastern Conference standings with a 24-17 record. Meanwhile, the 6-6 six six rolls on. We'll talk to Sal Powell in a moment live from Eagles practice, and we'll tell you the latest Alabama players to declare for the NFL draft. But for now, Patriots are on the clock. Um, or not you know quite. what tonight is? <laughs> the first time the Raptors play a game on either TNT or ESPN ABC. Toronto's first meeting with Cleveland since the Cavs swept them in last year's playoffs. But this looks like a much different Raptors team. Fifth best offense in the NBA looking to take advantage of the league's second worst defense. Cavs coming off that beat down at the hands of the Wolves. Raptors have won 17 in the last 21 games. Second best record in the NBA over that stretch behind only the Warriors. Now as for the Cavs, according to our basketball power index, Cleveland has the toughest January, February schedule of any Eastern Conference team at Toronto, then Indiana before facing the Warriors at home on Monday. They also have games against the Thunder and Spurs upcoming. That's the short term. Here's LeBron earlier today taking a look at the big picture as it relates to his career. Still in his prime, but can he see the finish line? 18 years I've been in this this light right here, so um, I've already exceeded um, everything that I've ever dreamed about. So at this point, I'm just adding crazy toppings on the table like my daughter would do. The game will let you know when it's over with. And I kind of look at, you know, retirement is for me, it was like, you know, getting engaged. Like, I I didn't know if I was ready or not, but I just felt like that was the, it was the time. The timing was right. The vibe was right. Did I know I was ready for marriage? I don't know. Right now, I feel great. I don't feel 33. I don't feel like I got, I don't know, you guys know the minutes I've played in my career. I don't know that. Um, I don't feel like I've been to these straight finals in a row. I don't feel like... I came in at 18, and I've played pretty much 79, 80% of games since I've gotten to the NBA. So, um, just keep it going. 
Y'all right. keep following. I'm gonna keep going. Not contemplating this now. What? Turn it up? No. <laughs> I got too many sneakers to sell still. <laughs> Yo, that was real talk. Like one night my wife, my wife, my girlfriend at the time asking me, like, what are we doing? Where is this going? And then the next day we engaged. So you just know when you know. Dave McMenamin knows what I'm talking about. You're in Toronto tonight. You were there when LeBron talked about his future. What stood out to you? Other than that awesome analogy. Yeah, well, Michael. Yeah, I liked I liked that, but that was very good. Michael, though, a couple of years ago, we entertained this question with LeBron because Tim Duncan was on his way out the door, Kobe Bryant was, uh, Kevin Garnett was, and LeBron said, my mind's not even there right now. He wouldn't even go down that road with us. Today, a, a Toronto reporter opened up the door a little bit, and he walked right through it. Now, he's certainly not saying he has impending plans for retirement, but the equation of off-court interests – uh, in terms of family, in terms of business, are starting to at least equal, or if not surpass, his on-course interests. And that's when guys seem like they know it's time to go. Um, now, he can do so much more with his off-court interests while he's a player, setting them up over these next two, three, how many more years he plays. But, uh, you know, I thought it was significant that we, we had the same conversation a couple of years ago, uh, and he shut it down. At this stage of his career, though, he is open to talking about it because obviously it's been on his mind. The conversation about what's wrong with the Cavs could continue into tomorrow. Again, they're playing one of the best teams in the NBA. This nation getting to see him for the first time on national television. Real quick before I let you go, what's up with Kyle Lowry, that nasty spill he took the other day? Yeah, game time decision. Um, I, I spoke to a member of the Cavs coaching staff who was in touch with Kyle yesterday, and, and Kyle said he, he was going to give it a, a try to play, but that's going to be determined. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking to Dwayne Casey right when I uh, leave you guys and, and hopefully get an update there. Don't let me hold you any longer. Thanks, Dave. This is one of the best football environments in the National Football League. These are the types of teams that you've got to beat if you want to be the champs at their place. Throw back shoulder left and right. Oh! Makes a twisting one-handed catch. Touchdown! This is what I've worked hard for, getting these kinds of games. What a play Marcus Mariota threw and caught a touchdown pass. You run out of adjectives with Brady under center. He's been the best for quite some time. That's your Impressive football team. They do a lot of things well. Derek Henry to Painter. There is shock in KC. We all have high expectations, but you got to go out there and earn it. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. We work pretty hard to get to this point. It's a great opportunity. It's a good time of year to be playing football. All right, Patriots in playoffs, a never-ending story. Patriots could advance to their seventh straight conference championship with a win over the Titans. This will be a daunting task, though, for Tennessee. Patriots are 10-1 at home in the divisional playoffs under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, not to mention the Patriots are 13-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, even though a lot of this is old hat for the Patriots, it never gets old for Tom Brady. I don't think you take it for granted. It's Like I said, it's hard to get to this point, and, you know, you do all the meetings and walkthroughs and... You know, March, April, May, June, try to work out and be prepared for the season. You get through it and you make it through a whole season and have a chance to compete, uh, you know, with everything at stake. So it's pretty cool for all of us. And uh, I'm sure everyone will be excited Saturday night. It's going to be a great experience. I know the fans will be into it. We'll be into it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can go out and play well. All right, my girl Diana Rossini is there looking Professor Sharp at the Patriots facility. Uh, so that was Tom Brady reflecting on the team's playoff quest 
over the last 17 seasons. But today also marked the first time Brady addressed the full media on Seth Wickersham's report of problems inside the organization between him, Kraft, and, Bo- and Bill Belichick. So, Diana, what did Brady say? Yeah, Jamel, we peppered him with questions for about six minutes. We asked him all sorts of questions, and he glided right through everything so smoothly like Tom Brady always does. We asked him about the distractions from that report, and he says they don't talk about it. They don't think about anything that happens outside of this facility because they know what's at stake. They lose to Tennessee on Saturday. Their season's over. He was asked, though, how this Patriots team is so good at sounding out all the noise. Well, I think we have a job to do, and we know what our job is, and that's you know to go out and play football at a high level and to play well, and uh, you know nothing really should get in the way of that. That's what we're getting paid for. So, be a professional is to put everything aside and to go out there and do the best you can for the team, try to help us win. You know, Jamal, I was inside the Patriots locker room after I spoke to Brady there at the podium, and I went up to one player on defense and I asked him, you know, what's it really like here this past week since that report came out. He's like, we don't talk about it. And he even gave me that look kind of like, can you believe that's the way it is here? It's so strict here. We're so focused on what we're trying to accomplish on Saturday that we don't even care what everyone is saying about what's happening here. And it all starts from Bill Belichick, who started today's press conference today with, I'm ready to take questions about Tennessee. And that's the only focus this team has right now. And also today was the first time they had full attendance out on the field. So Jamel, Michael, think about this. You have a Patriots team that's healthy, ready to go, focus for Saturday. And, of course, they are probably one of the best teams at overcoming adversity as they get ready to face the Titans on Saturday night. And you also have the Titans talking about they're going to make Tom Brady look like Blake Bortles, which is interesting in itself. I know, <laughs> a little silly. Uh, speaking of I, which- I wanted to ask Brady that. I wanted to ask him that so badly, but they were wrapping us up. I was like, oh, oh darn. Well, they shouldn't say it because clearly Tom Brady has looked like Tom Brady against the Titans in his career. Uh, lost his first career start against the Titans in 2 but he hasn't lost to them in his six starts since. In that run, he's passed with 13 touchdowns, no picks. That includes a 59-0 win in 2009 where he had five touchdowns in the second quarter. So they might want to keep his name out their mouth. Alabama All-America safety Mika Fitzpatrick, fellow safety Ronnie Harrison, and tailback Bull Scarborough announced Thursday they're skipping their senior seasons. Nick Saban says defensive tackle Deron Payne is also into the draft, and wide receiver Calvin Ridley already had announced his departure. Whatever you do, wherever you go, fellas, keep your friends close and your playbook closer. Atlanta police say a playbook belonging to Alabama defensive line coach Carl Dunbar was stolen just two days before the title game. The thief also made off with Dunbar's wallet, iPad, passport, sunglasses, reading glasses, and $1,320. Some of the items really? have been recovered, thankfully. This, however, is priceless. Yeah. Coming between us. No, I think that was an awesome message uh, by Tua Tungavailoa. Talk about his man, Jalen Hurts. Because a lot of people have been trying to divide him and make it seem like Jalen Hurts somehow is... Not being a competitor, by the way, he congratulated him on the field and Jalen Hurts returning. That just goes so you can't win for losing. People are really saying he wasn't a competitor, but if he'd have come out and said, man, you know what, we won, but I wish we would have won with me starting, he'd have been ripped for that. All right, so uh, let's take it across the pond here. The Celtics, they trailed by as many as 22 in the first half against the 76ers. Big third quarter, midway through the third, we start there. Celtics down one, seeing Horford finds a cutting Daniel Tice for a big slam. Again, Celtics up one, their first lead of the game. All right, next Celtics possession, same score. Jalen Brown drives, gets the land, 
and the foul. Uh, Brown would make the free throw. Celtics up four. Just uh, over a minute to go. Celtics up two. Brown finds Terry Rozier for the open three. Celtics outscored the 76ers 37-22 in the third. And they win 114 and 103. Here's Brad Stevens. Um, we did not play well early. They played great. That's a bad combination usually. Um, but we, you know, we stayed the course and um, we've done that all year. You know, we've come back before and, and big leads. Um, and so there was there was no real panic, but we had to play a lot better than we were. We got to stop doing that, you know. If we're going to come against teams later on, and it's going to be hard to come back, you know. So we got to stop doing that, shooting ourselves in the foot. But it just shows our resiliency that we don't give up and we don't get wavered when we get down. I hear you, Jalen Brown, but you guys are just so good at coming back from a lot. Uh, with the win today, the Celtics are now 2-1 and one in games this season where they trail by at least 20. When down by 20, the rest of the league combined is 12 and 223. The Warriors are the only other teams with multiple wins after trailing by 20. I still trust the process. Uh, the second fan returns for the NBA All-Star voting are out or in, whichever you prefer. LeBron now the leading vote-getter in the East, passing Giannis Antetokounmpo. Out West, Steph Curry's the new leader. 40,000 votes or so ahead of teammate Kevin Durant, who was leader in the first return. And remember, the All-Star Game, new format, leaders in votes for each conference, captains for the game, and will draft from a pool of players determined by fans, media, and players. Except we won't be able to see the draft. We won't even know the results of the draft, minus some intrepid reporting. Adam Silver wants to keep it under wraps. Rachel Nichols, as you know from the jump, you got pulled with the commissioner. Get him to televise the draft, please. We, we were the first ones at the jump beating this drum. We, I, we got a press release saying, oh, they're going to announce this part here. They're going to announce this part here. And I looked at it, and I called one of our uh, contacts at the National NBA and said, um, by the way, where's the draft in this schedule? And they said, yeah, we're not doing that. And we're, whoa, what? That was the whole point here. Supposedly, the way to spice up the All-Star game, which has not been good over the past couple years, was to invest players in some way. And they can't really incentivize them with money, and they can't incentivize them with just pride in their conference. So the idea was to incentivize them by knowing, hey, this guy picked me. Here's where he picked me. Here's the confidence he had in me. Or I didn't get picked till the end. So I'm mad, and I'm on a revenge tour, and I'm going to show them. That's all gone because even the players might. The players aren't going to know who picked when. It's basically, you might as well just pick these out of a hat. Isn't the idea to get them to take it more seriously? Wound Here, their pride, here's the thing. You know? in, 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 all, in all seriousness, yep. there are still five weeks before the NBA All-Star game. I am sure TNT, which has the rights to this, would be thrilled to throw it on TV. If not, I'm sure we would be happy to throw it on TV. And if there is enough fan response, I, I think the NBA and the NBA Player A Players Association has to at least start listening because you've even had guys like LeBron James, John Wall come out and say they should televise this thing. Yep. LeBron says we're all men here. And by the way, the NHL has already done this. So we know that there aren't these hurt, terrible feelings. They're Guys big have boys. fun. It was a great telecast. Alexander Ovechkin even held up a sign that says, pick me last. Yeah. Because they had a car for whoever got picked last. He's like, I need a car. All right, we'll keep that campaign going. Meanwhile, speaking of LeBron, uh, took a big picture view ahead of tonight's game against the Raptors on the aforementioned TNT. 18 years I've been in this, this light right here. So uh, I've already exceeded everything that I've ever dreamed about. So at this point, I'm just adding 
crazy topics on the head like my daughter would do. The game will let you know when it's over with. And I kind of look at you know, retirement as for me, it was like, you know, getting engaged. Like I, I didn't know if I was ready or not, but I just felt like that was the, it was the time. The timing was right. The vibe was right. Did I know I was ready for marriage? I don't know. Right now I feel great. I don't feel 33. I don't feel like I got, I don't know, you guys know the minutes I've played in my career. I don't know that. Um, I don't feel like I've been to these straight finals in a row. I don't feel like I came in at 18 and I've played pretty much 79, 80% of games since I've gotten to the NBA. So, um, just keep it going. Y'all right. keep fighting. I'm going to keep going. Not the cops playing this now. What? Turn it up? No. <laughs> I got too many sneakers to sell still. <laughs> Rachel, what's your takeaway from what you just heard from LeBron? I mean, he sounds like a lot of other 33-year-olds I know trying to balance work and family and all that other stuff. But I, I don't think we're going to see him step away from the game anytime soon, not even in the next couple of years. Look at that man. He is in his 15th season and arguably leading the MVP race. He is very interested in his long-term legacy and sort of the package he is going to leave this game with having put together. He wants a long and dominant career, and I think that is what we are going to see from him. Would not expect him to retire anytime in the near future. Yeah, I also wouldn't expect him to retire when he's a shell of his of himself. He's going to retire at the top of his game and leave us. He's, he's not going to do that whole retirement tour thing. Uh, Chris Paul hit with a tee last night with 4.52 left. Houston's win over the Blazers from Scott Foster and then went in on Scott Foster in the locker room. I got to take tonight. Yeah, Scott Foster at his finest. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just... Never fails. You know, I got to take the night. I'm over there with Courtney saying, that's Scott. That's Scott. And I get a tech. You know what I mean? That's history there. So Scott, you know, he the man. That's who they pay to see. All right, so the players' union, the officials. That, that, by the way, you got to give Chris credit for that last line. That was pretty good. Yeah, and, and he, this, this is coming from the president of the Players Association. So you got the Players Association, the officials, uh, union, the league. There's supposed to be this big meeting at the All-Star Game in L.A. coming up. How do you see that playing out? I mean, look, Adam Silver talked about this in his press conference today. He says that if you look at the number of ejections and technicals, they're not actually up this year. So the empirical evidence isn't there. What is there is the experience, right? The players and the officials feel like this has been a frustrating season. So if the actual numbers aren't up and it just feels like it up, it's up, that tells me this is a communication issue. And guys, just and on both sides, by the way, have to do a better job taking it down a notch so it does not feel like a bigger deal than it is. Because it turns out it's not a bigger deal than it has been in the past. Always a big deal to have Rachel join us. Thank you for working overtime. See you on a jump tomorrow. Televise the NBA All-Star Draft. We're with you. Campaign. I want to join that campaign, all for it. Uh, this is a good campaign to watch. Asia Durr, one of the player of the year candidates this year, averaging over 20 a game for Louisville, getting warmed up for tonight's big matchup against Notre Dame. Uh, let's take you a little bit inside to this matchup and what it means. Notre Dame, uh, they might have its hand, they might have its hands full. Uh, as Louisville is 18 and 0 this season, which is the best start to a season in school history. It's also the Cards longest win streak in program history. Now Louisville has weapons on offense and defense. The Cardinals are one of three Division I teams to rank in the top 30 in scoring offense and defense in good company with UConn and Baylor. And joining us now, uh, of course, women's college basketball analyst Rebecca Lobo. 
ahead of tonight's big matchup. Now, uh, Rebecca, there are four remaining unbeaten teams. Three are in action tonight. So which team has the best shot against UConn? Well, I think you'd have to start with the team that was the last one to beat them, and that's Mississippi State. Four of their starters this year played in that game a year ago in the national semifinals where they beat UConn. They've got 6'7", Tierra McCowan this year, who's having a monster year, over 20 points and 12 rebounds a game. So that's a team, and their ability to play defense, they're dangerous. I think another one is Louisville. We're going to see them here tonight, and one of the big reasons why is Asia Durr. She is one of the toughest guards in the country in terms of her ability to score one-on-one. The last undefeated team, Tennessee. They've got a couple freshmen in their starting lineup. They're young, but by the end of the season, they'll be a little bit more seasoned. But right now, Mississippi State and Louisville would be the undefeateds that you would say have the best chance. All right. Now, Asia Durr, as you just mentioned, is a legit player of the year candidate, along with Arike Ogumbawale, uh, both averaging over 20 points per game. What impresses you the most about both of their games? Uh, Arika Gumbawale is simply a scorer. She's leading the ACC in scoring right now. She's had three games in a row of 20-plus points. She's got a big, strong frame for a guard. She'll get out in transition, uh, not afraid to take threes, take it to the basket, use her strength. She's a fearless scorer. And then Asia Durr is probably the most pro-ready player from the guard position in the college game right now because of her ability with a really quick release on the three-point shot, shooting 48% from there. She's got a great pull-up game off the dribble. She is a joy to watch at 46 earlier this season against Ohio State but so she is both of these players are worth tuning in for tonight yeah I I agree unbelievable that Notre Dame is still number two despite all the injuries they have can't believe they're only dressing seven scholarship players Uh, thanks Rebecca for joining us hey Jamel thank you the eagle likes to soar Falcon is aggressive it is caught oh my goodness Falcons Eagles both teams run it both teams are good defending the run yeah, natural hunting creature. Rush coming and they get they're it. Fast, they're flying to the football. They're playing their best defense at the right time. We're gonna go out there with this edge that we have. Close look. Close fight. A wild card team favorite over the number one seed. People doubt us every week, so we just want to go out and shut those doubters up. We're not here just to get here. We want to make noise while we're here. It's gonna be loud. It's gonna be cold. We're gonna be ready. Go out there and play our best game. Birds of a feather locked together. Sal, you know the question before I ask it. How's Nick Foles looking as he prepares for Saturday's game against Atlanta? You know, Michael, he looks good and he sounds good, but we're not going to know for real until Saturday night. And this is Philly, and we like to keep it real. So I asked Doug Peterson today, you know, has this team gotten over the shock? What evidence is there that this team has gotten over the shock that Carson Wentz is not coming back? Listen to his answer. The train's still kind of moving, even though we're sick to our stomachs that these guys aren't with us, you know, out there on the field. Um, the train's still moving, and and the sooner we get over that, you know, and get on to the next order of business, the the better we're going to become. And so, but that's a process that that doesn't that doesn't happen overnight. You know what I'm saying? It takes a little time. Now we've had that time. You know, and, and, and we moved on, and, and we you know have a great opportunity sitting here in front of us today. 
You know, this is one of those 16, 17-hour days, right, Michael? Mm-hmm. Michael Kendricks just came out. He'd been studying film all day. Nate Sudfeld, the backup quarterback, LeGarrette Blunt just came out the door, you know, waving his ring finger, saying no days off. That's what he learned up in Foxborough. That's how you get the big one. And, and, and you know, I had a private conversation with Doug Peterson. I said, you know, how much have you talked to this team? about starting fast and playing fast against the Falcons, who played fast and started fast against the Rams in the wild card win out at the Coliseum. And he said, yeah, I brought it up to them. I said, you know what? We got to not only play fast, but in the first quarter, we got to play fast and we got to start fast. And he said, that's the thing that I'm going to tell them for the next 24 hours. I texted Doug Peterson at zero dark 30 this morning. My man's still in here studying tape, trying to get any edge he can. Falcons are experienced and a fast football team, and they want to get ready for that game on Saturday night. Since you're in Philly and we're keeping it real, Sal, you've been embedded with the Eagles. You saw our Sixers, man. You saw them in London. Take one on the chin against the Celtics. <laughs> Speechless, I know. <laughs> Same here. Same here. I'm from leading my 19th. <laughs> well, yeah, to the other part of the bracket, Andrew Breeze to the growing Case Keenum fan club ahead of their playoff matchup Sunday. Breeze said of Case Keenum, I always root for guys like that, kind of the undersized guy coming out that nobody wants to give any credit and just always plays with a chip on his shoulder. Case has done a phenomenal job. I've been really happy for him. Guess what, Breeze? The feeling is mutual. Just a guy that I, I really admire and how he moves uh, moves you know the ball down the field and how he operates, what kind of leader he is. Um, I read his book a long time ago, so um, you know I think uh, somebody to learn from. I, I try to watch uh, I try to watch all the you know really good quarterbacks in the off season and take little things and try to work on my game. Um, you know, implement things that I think work well with uh, you know adding to my game. All right, Courtney Cronin joining us live from the North Pole, otherwise known as Minnesota. Uh, Courtney, Case Keenum is starting his first playoff game. Uh, is he nervous? Well, Jamal, take a look at how he started his season here with the Vikings. Gets thrown into the fire in week two. From that point on, he never knew if he was really going to be the starter. Always been talked about whether somebody's going to be pulled in place of Case Keenum. So, And I mean this sincerely. I'm around him every single week, and you hear the exact same thing. Taking this one day at a time, one game at a time. Honestly, he's the world's most sincere broken record. And he has every right to be. He's not thinking ahead as far as where he'll land in 2018, or even sooner than that, as far as getting his team past this weekend and to an NFC championship and then a trip to the Super Bowl, which makes it that much easier for him to stay in the now. And it's something that his teammates echo as well. The thing that stands out most is uh, the way that he's prepared and the way that he just takes it literally one day at a time and, and prepares uh, you know the most he possibly can for that day. Um, and, and it really does take a lot of pressure off us because we know that he's prepared. We know he's going to get us in the right plays, and uh, we know he's going to find the right guy. Not really putting too much in perspective, not really looking too much at the big picture. I'm, I'm keeping my blinders on and thinking about what's going on right now. And Jamel... Keenum is not focusing on trying to play some certain type of way this weekend, whether it's, you know, more conservative or whether he's going to let it rip, considering this team hasn't had those explosive plays in the last few weeks. He's focusing on not trying to be anyone other than himself, and that's what got them here and got him here in the first place. All right, Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. And for your sake, I hope that the Vikings make the Super Bowl to make all of this worth it for you at the very least. So thanks for joining us. 
All right, we're about 10 minutes away from this clash of the Titans, our Thursday Women's Night Showcase featuring two of the top teams in the nation. You had Notre Dame taking on 18-0 Louisville, the number three team in the country versus the number two, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, also available on the ESPN app. I appreciate that you're a Louisville person. Yeah. I'm a Louisville kind of guy. The Louisville people will tell you it's Louisville. I know. Um, anyway, uh, here's uh, Saints defensive end Cameron Jordan on his early memories of growing up in Minnesota, who we were just talking about a minute ago. My uh, memories of that young childhood is sort of in and out. I remember some like jumping in some leaves, getting free. it was so cold outside we got locked out of a car, um, being at an away game or something where it was snowing and I was miserable and I was like, I hate football. All right, my boys Steve Levy and Michael Ease will be holding down the 11 o'clock Sports Center. A lot of stuff to get to. Cavs, Raptors as the Cavs try to bounce back. Also, top plays of the first half from the NBA. And more talk about Titans and Patriots. Lots of sports. Lots of coverage. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? That's what it is. Department of Army filed in opposition with the U.S. Trademark and Patent Office against Vegas Golden Knights ownership. We're using a similar name, the Golden Knights, and certainly a similar color pattern. The Golden Knights are a parachuting operation in the U.S. Army. The sports teams are the Black Knights. I love the the rebuttal on the part of the hockey team saying, at no point did anybody come to our games expecting to see a parachuting display. So, Show me the line, right? Um, this is your team, though, right? Yes. Yes, That's right? my squad. That's your adopted squad. That's my squad. I nope. jumped on the bandwagon early. as an expansion year early. Yes. It's an expansion my year squad. early. Yeah, Every night, a, I never miss a Golden Knights game. It seems like a, not a nonsensical fight, but it's just like, why? Uh, Chris Paul, he scored an uncontested layup in the final seconds of this game. Instead of running out the clock, Damian Lillard, not real happy about it, uh, expressed his feelings afterwards and basically said, man, what, what did, what did that get you? Right. And look, everybody knows how super competitive Chris Paul is. Not surprised. He bet his match in chippiness. Damian yeah. Lillard is just. Oh, totally. Yeah. But you know what they say, if you don't like it, stop it. Right? And. Yeah, but he, that's my I guy. You don't need it. He had to do that. No, but. It was a layup. It wasn't a three-pointer. It was whatever. Right. So, but I, I get why he was a little upset. It was in Damian. It's my mood every day. Right here. <laughs> Rodney Hood got ejected. Received a second technical, and then he should be receiving a fine for that. Hopefully, that wasn't an iPhone X, my man, but you know what? Hope he had insurance. Yeah. Hope it didn't crack. Yeah, usually about 25 grand for interacting with fans. So that's like mood? Mood. <laughs> yours truly, absolutely. I want to put two other letters with it, but I'm not. No doubt. But you know what, I know what they are. <laughs> you know what they are. Uh, before we call it in, who had a good day? All right. Uh, remember uh, former South Carolina star Marcus Lattimore? Well, yeah. he's going to be returning to be an assistant coach with the Gamecocks uh, football program. His NFL career, as you remember, were derailed by two knee injuries, one of which was very gruesome yeah. that he suffered in college. One of the most popular players in that USC mm-hmm. history. Hey, the story or the, the, the highlight last night was Laurie Markkinen having eight threes and 30-some-odd points for the Bulls in that double total time win against the Knicks. But the story, first time in NBA history, we believe, the Bulls took their moms on a trip. Sightseeing, spa treatment. Team dinner. That's how you do it. Fantastic. All right, that's it for us. Notre Dame Louisville is next. That's how you take care of the hands that wants to care of you.